welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Paul McDonald, alongside Deepak Gohill and Brian Davis. Hello, gents. Good evening. Hello. It's great to be back again, isn't it? Yeah, so soon as well. And so it is that the San Francisco 49ers have a new head coach after an exhaustive search overseen by Waldorf and Statler involving Hugh Jackson, Mike Shanahan, Sean Payton, Tom Coughlin, Al Pacino, Gene Hackman and John Voigt, the 49ers eventually settled on the coach that nobody else wanted, Chip Kelly. After almost three seasons in Philadelphia, Coach Kelly heads to Santa Clara to try and sort out the monumental mess that is Coach Tom Sula's desk drawers and try and turn the 49ers back from worst in the West to best in the West. So the hiring, good, bad or ugly, gents? I think it's good. Talking about Jim Tom Sula's drawers, did he even actually start to pin things on his office wall? Because <laughs> he, was, he was in there less than a year, wasn't he? Um, I've been in my job less than six months and I barely started pinning bits and bobs up all around me uh, computer screen and on the wall of the hangar and stuff. What do you think, Deepak? Good, bad or ugly? Um, I mean, Brian says good, but I think potentially it could be bad or very, very ugly more than it could be good. Um, reason for that, I think we know that he left Philadelphia under a, a tempestuous cloud. He upset a lot of players there. Mm. And if you remember, our last coach was shown the door for, guess what? Pissing players off and pissing people off. So have we hired the same thing twice? We don't know. If Harbaugh was released because of the way he sort of upset players and irritated people around him, well, this guy's actually got form for doing it. So would he be a good fit? Now, he also brings a lot of good things to the table. Uh, now that uh, we've had a chance to digest this and process it, but, uh, you know, and naturally we need to support him, but I don't buy the fact that just because he was a, a successful college coach means he's going to be successful in the National Football League. I, I don't buy that for one second at all. Mm. So, you know, jury's out. Could be bad, could be ugly, or it could be good, you know, and it's just, on a personal level, I think it's a little bit too difficult to say. What would be interesting is the dynamic he's going to have with the players because Tom Sula was a player's coach. The players loved him. He was one of them. He understood them. They had a relationship. Whereas Kelly is, by all accounts, just completely indifferent to anybody else around him. And that could be telling uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, my initial thoughts were fairly positive, really. Uh, they've certainly taken a, a swing for the fences. Um, talking of which, hurry up, baseball. Um, we do, I do miss you dearly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's signed for, what, five years at $32.5 million. So they really are swinging for the fences. And at one point, I was starting to get a bit worried about the kind of the direction that the, the search was going in because it, it was all getting a bit farcical at times, wasn't it, with the amounts of facts and rumours yeah. that were kind of being bounded about on social media as to what was happening and what's not happening and who's definitely being hired and who's not definitely being hired and things like that. And sort of to, to follow up on that, has there been a more divisive hire in the 49ers history than Chip Kelly? He's, I reckon his middle name must be Marmite. <laughs> well, well, this is it. He's not just divided the media. He's divided the players that have played for him. He's divided the fans at Philadelphia. And now he's dividing the fans of, San, of the San Francisco 49ers. Looking around on different groups and different forums, there's been almost heated arguments about whether this has been a good hire or not. Deepak, you spoke about him having success at Oregon doesn't necessarily translate to success in the NFL. But 
Chip Kelly uh, did have success at Philadelphia, didn't he? Two out of the three seasons he was there, he had winning seasons. And it's surely not a coincidence that the one bad season he had is the season where he was also taken on the role of GM. True. But also, he got rid of his what best running back, best receiver, best offensive lineman, and a couple of defensive players that were marquee players. Okay, um, and one again, of the things, again, though, isn't that the, isn't that because he had the role of GM? Where if he hasn't got the role of GM, which it, it seems strange now, we're hoping he doesn't in San Francisco. He's not, you know, he's not maybe going to have the options to to have that kind of an, an effect on the roster. True. But look, this is the way I see it, okay? So whatever potential good that Chip Kelly brings to the table, I think we've got an internal deficiency, and that's, you know, his coaching schemes and his offensive schemes, which are celebrated, you know, he's got some very creative ideas. Let's, let's, let's not forget about that. But he needs talented players to do it, and I genuinely don't believe we have either the depth or breadth of talent to be able to execute those sorts of plays. And if he gets frustrated and starts taking it out on players, I mean, mm. Akon Bolden is not the only person that's going to carry this team on his back. You know, we, we need more talent. So what remains to be seen then is his relationship with Trent Baalke in acquiring talent. Because to win in the NFL, you need to have a talent-stacked team. You need to have all pros in skill positions. Remember, like we used to have back in the day? That's what you need to win in the NFL. And apart from Navarro Bowman, Anakin Bolden. I'm thinking, who else do we have that could be a legit all-pro kicker, maybe? I think we've got a decent running back core as well, don't forget, when they're healthy. Yeah, and well, okay, fair enough. Um, and that will be a big part of his offense. Yeah. Yeah, big, big and, and it will be. But I think also, because of the way Chip Kelly's teams play, you know, our defense is going to have to really step up. Uh, they're going to be spending a lot more time on the field. They're going to be a lot more tired. So we're going to need a lot more replacement players to come in and sub in and out, you know, to just to give the other guys a break. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of pressure put on the defense. That leads us straight into a question, actually, um, from James Little. Hello, James. Uh, can our defense cope with all the extra time on the field? As last year, they only turned up on the odd game. Depends on how long they're on the field for, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I've always thought that our defense has been one of our biggest assets over the last four or five seasons even, you know, we've had a pretty robust day apart from the mass exodus when everybody left. But other than that, you know, we've had a pretty decent defense. Now, a defense shouldn't be out on the field all day long. You know, our offense has got to be able to grind out games, do the long drives that sap up time, you know, a good 80, 90 yard drive that's going to take 12 minutes off the clock, you know. (laughs) That won't be happening in this offense. (laughs) Oh, no, no, exactly. And, (laughs) Um, when you stop doing that, that means your defense is going to be on the field all day long. They're going to tire, and a tired defense, when it makes a mistake, becomes far more amplified than a mistake made by a tired offense. Yeah, I need to do a bit more reading on this because I've read a couple of different uh, trails of thought on this, and I, I think I've read one article last night or the day before saying that the the difference in snaps between the Eagles and the average NFL defense over the past three seasons works out only to between sort of five and seven snaps per game, um, which I don't really think is much to get overly worried about. But then I've also read another article and heard on KMBR that someone else has reported that the defense of the Philadelphia Eagles in that time has played the equivalent of two extra games. Wow. So 
there needs to we we need to spend a little bit more time looking on on what the real impact of you know Chip Kelly's offense has been on the, the defense of the Philadelphia Eagles in that time mm. um, to get a real proper gauge on on what the kind of defense is going to be looking out for. But let's not forget we've got one of the biggest salary caps um, space available in this off season. Um, that there's going to be masses of room for for getting new guys in. Mm. Um, so I don't think we should be overly worried right now at this moment in time um, because, like I say, he hasn't got any coordinators or anything in place yet either. So and comes the draft, he's got more picks than a miner's locker room. Yeah, but it all depends on how well he uses those picks. Yeah. You know, and like I sort of alluded to earlier, we've got a, a serious lack of depth and breadth of talent. You know, we need some decent players in in the skill positions and. Um, Barkey's going to have to go to work on on acquiring those free agents and possibly mm. draft draft choices. And don't forget, there's a lot of pressure on people. Balky's on he's at last chance saloon. You know, this is his last chance. Yeah. If the popular media is to be uh, listened to, that if he doesn't perform this year, he's out too. So, yeah. the, you know, when you've got a new coach and a GM that are playing for their lives, it puts a lot of pressure on them complete with a team that isn't quite ready to perform, you're thinking this could be really bad or ugly, which is what I meant for one of those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you kind of hedged your bets on that one, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah, he's got splinters in his house, hasn't he? <laughs> 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 but I think you know, we need to be clear, Chip Kelly probably wasn't at the top of many lists, um, but at least Chip Kelly is probably going to give us an entertaining game to watch next season. And let's face it, watching... Jeep Christ and the 49ers offense last year became it was more of a chore wasn't it and like watching absolute beginners than something we did for fun and and were and paid for at times and it, it might be this this season we, we have a lot of games where we go out and we win 45 35 or lose 45 42 and things like that and I'd rather a season like that where you've got entertaining football, end-to-end stuff. Last, you know, last team when the ball wins the game and things like that than some of the 16, 13, 19, 16 games that we've had to grin and bear over the last couple of seasons. Let's look on this year as as um, building on something that's already in place. And, and if we have a lot of games like that, well, at least we've been entertained and we're taking a step in the right direction. It's going to be much more exciting brand of football than probably Holmgren or Shanahan would have brought to us. Um, and granted, we don't know what coordinators, again, like I said, Chip Kelly's going to bring or even what coordinators Shanahan or Holmgren would have brought in. But I think you have to be excited about this move. I think the um, the off-season is also going to be really, really entertaining, Brian, as well as the regular season itself. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the wheeling and dealing, the, the different free agents, the, the manoeuvring around the salary cap, all of those things are going to have to come into play because uh, having a huge salary gap is means nothing if you don't invest it into free agents and, and paying people. Mm-hmm. So I think that side of, of matters are going to be really interesting. We're going to have a we're not even going to have an off season really, are we? We're just going to be right in it as of right now. It's the non-playing football season. Mm. Yeah, but going back to what Brian said, you know, yeah, I know there'll be lots of entertaining games, but. Okay, just call me old school. I'd rather we won every game ugly, you know, than lose entertaining football games. Um, that's just me, you know. But I really, we don't know what we're going to get with the players that we've got and the new coaching philosophy and a general manager that's now got a, 
a light up his ass. You know, we just don't know what we're going to get. And I think if we if we're level headed with our expectations, then anything else is going to be a huge bonus. Because like Brian said, we are swinging for the fences. We've put five years on this guy's contract. Yeah. If he's a car wreck after two years and we let him go, we're going to be liable to pay him over $20 million, mm. you know? So this is a big investment. And we have to give him the opportunity to to, to be successful. You know, he, he, anybody new into a job deserves that much. Yeah. And it yeah. just um, emphasizes the point of how much Trent and Jed got it wrong this time last year by hiring Tom Sula. Yeah. Do you think that was because they heard burned bridges with the likes of Adam Gase? Possibly. It could be about money. It could be a number of different reasons, you know. And let's not forget one thing. Being head coach of the San Francisco 49ers right now was not an attractive proposition. That's right, okay? yeah. yeah. And people may agree or disagree, but I don't even think Chip Kelly was our third choice. I think mm. we had to pick with what was left and do it quickly before somebody else got him. I actually do think it was a panic selection. Mm. That brings up a question that Andrew, Andrew Mitchell sent in. Hi, Andrew. Who do you think was really the first choice? Sean Payton. Oh, Sean Payton. Mm. Yeah, it was Payton. Yeah, I don't think there's any argument there um, based on, on what we've seen and what we believe. And I, th- I think probably the, the price was too high. And once Peyton indicated that he was going to be back in New Orleans next season, it just became um, too expensive for us to even entertain the idea of making the trade for him. Mm. Let's talk about the elephant in the room that is Colin Kaepernick. Um, there was talk while Chip Kelly was still at Philadelphia that Colin Kaepernick could be traded to Philadelphia where he would fit in well. As it is, it's worked the other way around in that Chip Kelly has come to where Colin Kaepernick is. Does this mean that Kaepernick's position on the team is safe? Is he still going to have to fight for the position against Blaine Gabbert? And what is it about Chip Kelly's offence that means that Kaepernick suits it so well? Well, I think we need to also acknowledge the fact that Blaine Gabbert would also be a good fit for one of Chip Kelly's offences that relies on a mobile quarterback because Gabbert's got that level of athleticism as well. Mm. And Gabbert ran a similar offence in Missouri and yeah. to, to what Oregon have ran, and Kaepernick's done the same um, in Nevada. Um, I think Kaepernick's absolutely got a massive shot at being back ne- next year, and um, I, I'm not sure where Deepak got the information from or whether he found it himself, but the fact that the 49ers have put his jerseys back on um, full price in the store yeah. indicates yeah. that, that was... there's a very good chance that he's going to be back next season. And... That, was, uh, yeah, that was purely my business head working overtime thinking, <laughs> well... Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> called that one and within about six hours it was announced. Yeah, and yeah. you know the injuries and the surgeries were starting to make this seem more and more realistic at, you know, day by day anyway, and there, there was another um, article that I read that um, apparently wherever Chip Kelly went, he was going to try and make a trade for Kaepernick wherever he ended. So you have to think that both Kaepernick and Gabbert are going to be in a real scrap for that starting role in 2016. And we can still draft a quarterback on top of that. So you potentially yeah. could have a three-horse race battling out to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers next year. And potentially then you, you may be able to trade one of them away at some point and... Um, reap that reward maybe in the 2017 draft. I, th- I think uh, certainly the, probably the read option is going to be back for either a quarterback of those two if they're the starter. And 
for those that kind of say that the NFL has worked it out and that, you know, Seattle and Carolina are having a ton of success with it still right now, aren't they? So it's not out of the league. So Brian, let's think about that question a little deeper, right? And think of it more internally. If you were Chip Kelly, who would be a starting quarterback, Gabbert or Kaepernick? Because Gabbert has done enough, in my opinion, to deserve keeping his job. It's not like he's had a concussion or something and will never got his job back ever again and then got traded. You know what I'm saying there. But yeah. if you were Chip Kelly, who would be taking snaps under centre on opening day? Would it be Gabbert? Would it be Kaepernick? I think it's got to be a, about 60-40 in Kaepernick's favour, if not more, 65-35. Mm. I really think that if he's got that much of a... A thing for him, and uh, you know, kind of the man crush on him. Then he's going to do all he can to make him the starter for next season, and and build the offense around him. Fine, but that would completely undermine Gabbert, wouldn't it? I mean, he's done enough, in my opinion, to keep his starting position. He so has. If Chip Kelly wasn't. If Chip Kelly wasn't our coach, I wouldn't have expected Kaepernick to muscle him out from a starting role, unless he was lights out during the off season. He worked his ass off every single day. He was killer in preseason, you know, his attitude, everything was like, wow, we have to start this guy. But failing that, I would have picked Blaine Gabbert as my starting quarterback because I haven't seen anything from Kaepernick that Gabbert hasn't been able to do, if not do better, the last season. We know yeah. Caps had lights out seasons before, but I think um, if Gabbert was to lose his starting position, I think he'd be a bit miffed. I think I would be too. Yeah, and he would be right to, in the same way that um, Alex Smith was probably right to be miffed. But you know, Alex Smith was the true professional, and he, and he got on with the job and played the team player. And whatever the decision that the, the coaching staff do make, whoever the you know the loser of the, that competition is, is going to have to be the same, and they're going to have to suck it up and and get involved and and be the clipboard holder and be ready at a minute's notice to come in. Um, and take over that role. It, it's yeah. pretty simple for the way I look at it, really. Both of them have got the opportunity to win the job this year. There could be a, a rookie that could be chasing their tails as well at the same time. Maybe we can find someone in a second or third round pick or maybe even a fourth round pick who exceeds expectations in off-season and let them have at it. And that's only going to push yeah. them and, and make them better. Mm. A couple of questions that have come in on the on the Kaepernick subject. Uh, hi to Rob Newell, brand new listener to the show. Welcome to you, Rob. Um, given the same dysfunctional offense, Gabbert did outplay Kaepernick last year. Is it a given that Kaepernick's back? We've kind of answered that question already, but I did want to acknowledge the question was there. Also, Gavin Sutton, with the system that Chip plays, it should really suit Kaepernick. But as you said, it, it may well suit Gabbard as well. What does Chip need to add to that system to make it work? Because obviously it didn't work last season. Is it simply about making the line stronger? Um, or is there more to it to make the system work in Chip, in Chip Kelly's vision? Mobile well, offensive yeah. lineman yeah. is going to be the... Exactly. The, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep, um, well said. For those that the people that are kind of saying, well, we're not going to attract anyone, and people might not want to come and work for Chip Kelly. Well, there's an easy answer to that, and money talks. I mean, Tory Smith came here when after we appointed Jim Tom Sudo as head coach, um, and after Harbaugh had been fired. You know, there's a whole kind of velvet gold mine of talent to be had this off season, and I just can't see the 49ers doing what they normally do and settling for second and third best and, and waiting for the dust to settle in free agency when you've got 
you know, starmen out there, you know, star players out there who are going to come in and change the team drastically. I just can't hope that they don't do that this year and they do go out and they do make a big splash. And the the centrepiece of that is going to have to be at least one sort of elite starting level uh, offensive lineman somewhere in that uh, free agency, be it at centre or one of the inside guard positions. And we know that Staley, barring one or two off games, is probably hopefully still going to be as good as Joe Staley has been through his career. We've got Anthony Davis coming back after a year out, who's a, a great right tackle, who's pretty mobile. And I think, like I say, if, if we can uh, get maybe a centre or another guard in, uh, in that free agency period, that's probably going to, and in the draft, that's probably going to be um, the the real key to to making this offense work. You know, getting in young, mobile um, offensive linemen who aren't going to get gassed after you know running thirty yards downfield to you know to 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 get to the next play in no huddle situation. They need to and. And this goes back to sort of the the thing about the defense as well. People are saying about the the defense are going to be gassed, but they're going to be up against this in in practice every single day, so they're going to get used to it. The, the mm-hmm. amount of time that they're out on the field and the quick turnarounds and things like that. So surely it's something that they're going to encounter on on the practice field, mm-hmm. and they can bring that into the game. But yeah, in certain terms of um, in the free agency, we've got to go out and. And, and get these uh, mobile offensive linemen. Gavin also wants us to know, why do you think there is such negativity from our fan base towards Chip Kelly? Now, I've, I'm wondering whether it's because, because we've put up with so much over the last year, whether it's a hangover from negativity we wanted to have towards Tom Sula, and we can't have it because he's not there anymore. So we're just throwing negativity at the next head coach and it wouldn't have mattered who it was? Well, I think the negativity is founded uh, to some degree, large degree even, for reasons I've already said. Look what he did in Philadelphia. They kicked mm. him out. He was despised there. Nobody liked him. And we got rid of Harbour because, guess what? Nobody liked him. Uh, he, he comes with baggage. He could be a genius. Has he been sussed? We don't know. But I think one of the reasons why people have it in for him is, yes, He's got that stigma attached. But look, let's just be realistic here. He wasn't even our third choice. Mm. We had to get whatever was left. And I think Niner fans are savvy enough to know that that was a panic signing. Okay, And it could be that it works out all well in the end, or it could be that it doesn't. But look, we were chasing Sean Payton, then we were chasing Hugh Jackson, then Shanahan, and um, gosh, who's the other guy? Coughlin. They came into the mix. As soon as... um, that started to happen. We, I, I think there was a very real chance that neither Shanahan or Coughlin would say yes to us, and we had to say, pick up the guy who was definitely not going to say no, and that's Chip Kelly. Like you said, Brian, earlier, this could be his last job in the NFL because of the baggage that comes with him. And I, I think rightly, Niner fans should be very alarmed about this, this appointment, and they were. But we've all had time to digest it and let things die down. And we can see that there are things he could bring to the table. Mm. He's here for five years. So let's get behind him. Let's give him a chance. You know, whether you like yeah. him or not is neither here nor there. He's our coach. The negativity is tiresome. I mean, you'd have thought Chip Kelly was the man who sold the world, wouldn't you? <laughs> the the, the yeah. way that people carry on about it. And, you know, you think he's a dead man walking. But 
you've got to be positive about this hire. Kelly's made mistakes in Philadelphia, and you have to hope that he's learned from those mistakes. And there's going to be a lot of changes in this offseason. And I think it needs to be said that Chip Kelly, the head coach, and Chip Kelly, who was then the head coach and the GM, were totally two totally different things. When he was making GM decisions, he got it completely wrong. Um, he's obviously humble enough to have probably seen the error of his ways to have taken a job under Trent Balke. That, to, to my mind, suggests that he's humble enough to admit that he's made mistakes, he's got things wrong, and now he wants to succeed as a football coach and as just as a coach purely alone. You've got to look at it that way and you've got to be positive about it. The negativity is tiresome and who knows? He could become a future legend, for all we mm. know, or all of this could be an occasional dream who knows i and i think that also another thing that i've read <laughs> i've read and been trying to read as much as i can and listen to as much as i can over the last sort of 48 hours and stuff and another thing that is key for this is tom gamble we previously thought that kelly actually fired gamble in philadelphia but i think that's been misreported and um the the issues that came um between kelly and gamble in philadelphia were more of a power struggle elsewhere in the Eagles front office. And, and that kind of lends itself nicely to the, the the fact that Gamble can play that kind of liaison between Kelly and Balky quite nicely. So if Kelly's sort of banging heads, he's, he's going to probably be doing it with Gamble. And then Gamble's going to be the guy who brings that message into Trent Balky. And that might be a nicer flow of 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 that relationship between head coach and GM than maybe what was going on before with Harbour and Balky where they were just constantly banging heads together. And I think that Gamble could potentially fill that role really nicely of being that guy in between the two, uh, the kind of the peacemaker type thing, if you will, or the person who kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Not go, go between as such, but, you know, just a, like I say, that that an person interface. is yeah an interface between the two of them, and mm. so that there's not that kind of bashing of heads in, in the front office, maybe. Mm. Deepak, you uh, you brought up before about how Harbour turned people against him and Chip Kelly turned people against him in the seasons before they both left. But if if we compare their careers as NFL head coaches, they both started with two years of winning seasons. Harbour obviously went to the Super Bowl and then won the NFC, uh, went to the NFC Championship in his second year. And Coach Kelly has had two 10 and six seasons in Philadelphia. Kelly's downfall was, as Brian's just said, when he decided to take on GM role as well. Harbour's downfall, more than likely when the front office simply turned against him. Now, with Kelly coming in, if Kelly had a 10 and six season, Next year, would you be happy with that? Bearing in mind that a ten and six season would quite possibly have got us into the playoffs this year. Uh, if Chip Kelly can deliver us a ten and six season, um, how can you not be absolutely delighted? You know, you, you've got to understand a ten and six record in that division is going some. It's a difficult division that we're in for a start. To mm-hmm. win ten games is going to be some going. You know, and Rams are now local neighbours as well. Okay? Yes. <laughs> so, so you know, it's going to be, uh, I think, an exceptional achievement if he can take us to ten games. Could he? He may do. He may not. You know. Um, mm. But but if he can take us to ten, that's going to win over a lot of people, a lot of detractors. But going back to what you said, there is a bit of a pattern with Harbaugh's first two years and um, Chip Kelly's first two. 
they enjoyed really good successes for their teams, Harbour more so than um, than Kelly. But their last season, they both fell off the rails, and mm. I think it, they tend to fall off the rails when they realise that nothing's going to happen here. They don't, they don't care. They lose it. You know, mm. they know they're not going to be around. So why care? Maybe yeah. there was an element of that in it. I think right now, you know, sort of twenty four hours after the the hire, I think from my own personal point of view, I'm looking at probably going next year at at least a kind of eight and eight level, and that's before free agency and and the draft, because mm, yeah. we've got this guy now who is actually offensive minded, who can come in and can probably turn around an offense, um, probably on on motivation and a a bit of uh, momentum himself. So when you then start adding into the free agency and the draft period, I think ten and six would be an absolutely almost monumental turnaround for the. If you think huge. of the complete meltdown that we were in twelve months ago, to mm. to being turned around from a pretty disastrous write-off of a season to ten and six, I think people should be rightly delighted with that. And you know, we're not going to become the nineteen eighty four forty nine ers overnight again, and people shouldn't expect that. But. But Harbaugh took us to an NFC Championship game in his first season as well. So yeah, but how many coaches realistically come in and do no, that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, you're exactly. talking once in a life, or maybe not once in a lifetime, but very, very rare that, that those kind of coaches come in. And there's no reason why we can't have some golden years ahead with um, Chip Kelly. Who knows? And don't forget, Harbaugh inherited a team that was far more talent-stacked than the one that Chip Kelly's inheriting. Harbaugh had marquee players, you know, legit tight end, Bernard Davis, he had Frank Gore, you know, he had a ton of decent players on that team, Willis, Bowman, all of those guys. Yeah, I think one of the things I would say about um, Chip Keller's offense is it, it kind of leans itself more to the argument that rosters should definitely be expanded in the NFL, because when you're only suiting up 46 or you're 53, things can really start to get stretched with the kind of style <laughs> of football that he's lent himself to, and in the college game, that's fine, because you've got best part of 80 90 players on the sideline and you can go with multiple schemes and do whatever the hell you want you, you can put an entire brand new offensive line in for the next drive or you know rotate the whole defensive line and the whole set of linebackers out or whatever that's clearly not um available to us in the nfl so you could uh use the argument that chip kelly's offensive football means that we should definitely be uh petitioning in the nfl to increase the, <laughs> the, the yeah. you know the, the roster size on a sunday night Steve Panda Richardson's been in touch. Uh, offense was a huge weakness last year. Chip really run. Chip Kelly runs an innovative offense. The knock on him last year was not using Demarco Murray effectively. We don't have a Demarco Murray, so no problem there. We need to decide on Bolden. He's a great asset to the team, but he's only got two or three years left in the tank. Does he stick around for the rebuild or go to a contender this off season? If he leaves. We're left with Stonehand Smith, Fair Catch Ellington, I like that, and enthusiastic puppy pattern. I love that one even more. <laughs> Free agency is loaded with linebackers and offensive linemen, and we have the cap space to sign them. QB's interesting. We've got the draft pick to get one in the future if we want one. Will Kelly do for cap what Harbaugh did for Alex Smith? He certainly could, couldn't he? Which question yeah, do you want could. us to start with? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot there. But to break it down... It goes back to talent, doesn't it? You know, mm. we are going to need receivers. Bolden is an interesting question. I mean, will he stay because he wants to help this team or will he go because he wants to win something? And he deserves to win something. So Yeah, I think we mentioned that a couple of shows ago, didn't we? If a contender come in for him, you'd have to say, well, 
if you want to go and win a Super Bowl, go because yeah. you're potentially not going to win one here. Um, and you couldn't hold that against him. But if he wants to come back, then fair enough too. Um, but I'm, I do think that there's going to be a, certainly a lot of additions in the wide receiver core over the uh, over this off season. I think they're looking to go. Well, they're going to have to get faster, younger, fitter. Um, young Americans in this off-season, aren't they? At all positions, not just the wide receiver yeah. position. Um, and I think we said before, I, I think Kelly probably can turn around Kaepernick, but we've just it's it's going to be time. They, they, it's going to have to be a, a season where we're patient and we have to see what happens and see what develops. Yeah. yeah. Moving moving away from the quarterback position, back to the head coach. Mike Farron, do you think Kelly can succeed with his current style, his man, man, his man management issues, or do you think he will have to change? Will he have learned from his Eagles stint? And Jonas Jonasson has replied to that as well. Philadelphia was so relieved to get rid of this guy. The media hated him over there, and he hated the media. He will have to learn from his Eagles stint. We've kind of touched on this, haven't we? And... He's going to have to take on the role of head coach without trying to break into the bounds that is general manager and Trent Balky's little little area there. Yeah, absolutely. And and you look at um at the at the pattern in the NFL. There's a a lot of top coaches in the NFL right now who've all failed somewhere else previously. <laughs> mm. Um, you know, a new coach generally and and not just a coach in American football, this goes for the, um, all walks of life. A new manager comes in, shakes everything up and it doesn't work. And then someone else comes in and fixes it all. And it's brilliant. Um, or sometimes gets, gets even worse depending on who you work for. Um, not mentioning any names there, but, um, you know, that coach would, could then be called a failure. And it's only when they go on to their second or their third job that they actually become good or great coaches. Um, because, you know, like all of us, you make mistakes and you, you try and learn from them. Um, and at least, the good or the great ones do do that. And I think right now we're pretty much all sat here hoping that Chip Kelly, you know, has that humility and can be, you know, the next coach that does that, you know, Pete Carroll's failed in the league before Bill Belichick's failed in the league before Ron Rivera's failed in the league before. These are coaches that are in and around the playoffs and Super Bowl, been in Super Bowls and won Super Bowls. That's just off the top of my head. There's probably loads of others out there as well. Mm. But you know, you, you look at their career path, and they've cocked it up on their first go. But on the second and third time round, they've learnt from those mistakes and and gone out and and, and done well. And in terms of Balky, I'm still worried that Balky's apparent ego <laughs> is playing a big part in this, where he clearly won't give up the the personal power and oh, sorry, the personnel power, which potentially could cost us. Mm. Um, I'm not sure it's too healthy a relationship where both the head coach and the GM aren't on the same page with how they want to succeed and manage it and I think if we're not care- careful we're going to end up back where we were at the kind of the late end of the Harbour era but you know Balk is going to live and die by a sword and we've got to go with it and I think that's probably why the Sean Payton talks never went en- anywhere that's mm. probably why like you said earlier Adam Gaze probably wouldn't even entertain the interview coming back to Santa Clara and having an interview this time round and if yeah. you listen to Hugh Jackson's press um, conference in Cleveland this week you can kind of sense in the wording that in other places he went and had interviews he had no choice in personnel matter and um, those other situations weren't as comfortable as the situation he's been putting in Cleveland so, 
Bauke is under pressure now. There's no doubt about it. And I think this year, if if this goes spectacularly tits up, then Bauke is probably gone at the end of this year. But mm. I'm really hope that this is going to be a really good year for us. And this is the, you know, we're now on the the upward cycle and on the upward curve of of moving forward and trying to leave the last couple of years disaster zone behind us and and uh, go on and become a good team in the NFL again. David Young's kind of brought us crashing back down to earth. What happens when, I note he doesn't say if, Chip and Bulky start butting heads? Surely we're just going to be back at square one. We've got to hope they don't and they both respect each other's roles, don't we? Yeah, this is, like I said earlier, with the where Tom Gamble comes into it. He's yeah, going to be yeah. that liaison guy between the two, I, I, I think. And if if what we read, the relationship there is good between Kelly and Gamble and between Gamble and Balky. I mean, Gamble's gone back to the 49ers, so you'd have to think that that relationship there is good. So if the three of them can all tune in together and sing from the same hymn sheet, so to speak, and are all on the same page, why won't it work? Mm. We're going to finish out the listeners' questions with a last one from Andrew Mitchell off the 49ers. What do you think about our divisional rivals, the Rams, coming back to Los Angeles? I think it's a great thing. Uh, well, for us anyway, because it really is a compact little NFC West now. Uh, mm. Everybody's within drivable distance, if you will. Uh, I think it's good, but I also think that I think it's actually quite sad in some ways. There's a whole generation of Rams fans who are now without a team, okay? And that does kind of make me sad. Having said that, LA, which hasn't had an NFL team for nearly 20 years, all of a sudden is going to get two. Mm. um, Potentially two. There's only still one confirmed. Yeah, Uh, two. And what's even sadder, and I really mean this, is that the Raiders might be shifted to... LA or Oakland or San Diego or God knows where, except where they belong in Oakland. And it's a shame that nobody cares about one of the most storied teams in the NFL. I know they are our hated rivals, but my God, they have got a huge part that played in the history of the NFL. Um, Love them or hate them. They were an important component of this league. And it saddens me to see that this team has been just discarded and forgotten about. I can't wait to see Santa Clara, Levi Stadium, full up, everyone chanting, BLA, 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 (laughs) because that is what it's all about. This um, rivalry now is going to get fierce again, and it's going to be fantastic, because that's the uh, rivalry that we really grew up with. When you you look at different rivalries in in the game, Chicago um, and Green Bay and teams like that, San Francisco and LA is a massive rivalry, massive, massive rivalry, and, and I can't wait for the Rams to get back into LA and to hate them in the same way that I hate Seattle because nobody likes any team from LA. Sorry if you do, but you shouldn't because you're a 49ers fan. So there you go. And I just can't wait. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Get that real local rivalry back between the two. Um, Santa Clara is even closer to LA as well. Um, That's going to be brilliant. I can't (laughs) wait. I I honestly can't wait for, for... the LA Rams to come back. and I just hope the Rams play in the old uniforms too. Oh, they have it. to. I mean, as much as I dislike them, those uniforms, when they, when they put the, the old 80s uniforms on, I, it looks fantastic. Not those hideous yellow things that they wore against the Buccaneers this year, but yeah, yeah. The, the proper <laughs> royal blue jerseys. Yeah, they need to bring that back. 
couple of little uh, bits of research to uh, finish the show with today. The only previous coach hired by the 49ers who had previous NFL head coaching experience was... Dennis Erickson. Dennis Erickson, indeed. And since 1970, the average number of wins in the head coach's first season for the 49ers was 7.4 wins. George Seifert was the best with 14 and 2. Who had the worst? <laughs> oh, boy. Dennis Erickson. Um, no. It was a 2 and 14 record in his, fourth, in his first season. Monty Clark? No, it's not Monty Clark. Was it Monty Clark? Nope. Bill Walsh. Huh. So, who knows what could happen? Whatever happens with the 49ers in the 2016 season, it's going to be a wild ride. That is it for this episode of the show. Thanks to our researcher, Mark Lyon. Thanks to audionautics.com for the music. The discussions will continue on Twitter at Frequency49 and on Facebook. Search The Frequency49 Show. It's time to say goodbye, gents. Bye-bye. Farewell for now. On behalf of Brian Davis and Deepak Gohill, I've been Paul MacDonald. You've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 show. Bye for now. Frequency 49.